Hi guys, welcome back. This is uh, Pastor Laura Hutchinson from First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. You are listening to my podcast, Love God and Your Neighbor. Um, I'm really glad to have you here. This is the last installment of a three-part sermon series on the word abomination in the Bible. This has been a an interesting and difficult journey for me uh, because this has been a word that I have avoided for a very long time because of how uncomfortable it makes me feel and people that I love feel. Um, And it turns out I have learned that it is not a terrible word. It is not a mean word. It is not a word that means that God hates anyone. Uh, It's just a word that is in the Bibles, in, in the English Bible to help us know what is right and what is wrong. Behavior, not human beings. And the behavior that's right and wrong, I believe, is very different from what people think the Bible is talking about. So anyway, I hope that you enjoy this last episode, this last sermon, and um, write me, uh, visit us on Facebook at FCC Aniston, or on at inst- on Instagram at FCC Aniston, um, and you can visit our website, www org. I love you guys. Have a great day. Let us pray. Gracious and merciful God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So for the last three weeks, we have been studying the word abomination as we find it in the English language Bible. It's important for us to understand that the word abomination doesn't necessarily show up in other languages and translations, depending on what language we're speaking. We have learned that for something to be abominable to God, it is to be something that is loathsome or distasteful to God. We have learned that God does not find people loathsome, But God does find actions loathsome. And so far we have seen that in both the Old and the New Testament, the thing that God hates most is when we don't put God first in our lives. When we commit idolatry by worshiping the created rather than the creator. And we've learned that all sin begins with idolatry. When the Pharisee asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy 6. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Well, our Proverbs text today highlights the other half of Jesus' two commandments in Mark 12, 30-31. Jesus said, the second commandment, like the first, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so Proverbs 6, which is our scripture today, it says this. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. And someone asked me this morning, they said... How is it that there are six things but seven things on the list? And I said, well, it's a translation issue. Some translations say there are six things that the Lord hates. No, wait, there are seven. It's a slightly different thing, but you get it. Haughty eyes, 
a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that hurry to run to evil, a lying witness who testifies falsely, and one who sows discord in a family. Now, I remember the first time that I became aware of this text. I know I've heard it many times before this, but this was the time when it sort of like was driven home and I never forgot it again. I was sitting in a Sunday school class in a church that I was serving, and this was the scripture that they were studying. And as the leader read it, I was struck by two things. First, it used the word abomination, which made me uncomfortable. And two, it wasn't talking about sexual immorality at all. Because that's pretty much all I had ever heard the word used to refer to before. This scripture was profound to me because this was speaking to me. It was speaking to all people about all the things that we struggle with every day in society. And I realized that it is an abomination when we treat other people badly. It is an abomination when we don't love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. Now, the number one warning that lies behind all three of the sermons that we have heard in this series is that we are not supposed to judge others, only ourselves. Remember Romans 2? You got that in your pocket next time someone tries to beat you up with Scripture, right? But that is a super difficult thing to do. How many times have you heard something and thought, oh my gosh, I really wish so-and-so were here to hear this. He or she really needed to hear that message. I wish they were here. And I'm going to tell them about it when I see them next, right? We've all done it. Don't shake your head. I know it. It is a much rarer thing. It happens, but it's rare. For us to go, wow, I really needed to hear that. I'm glad I was here. Or, kind of wish I hadn't heard it, but I needed it, right? We don't do that quite as often. It's a lot easier for us to deflect and go, oh, he needed that one, not me. And in these sermons, to me at least, God is reminding us that whatever we think about someone else's sins, we should probably stop and evaluate ourselves instead. So it was speaking, the scripture of today was speaking to all people about all things that we struggle with in society. And I realized, oh wait, I've already read that. Manuscript preaching is not perfect. So now, what are the abominations that our text highlights today? hmm? What are the things that God finds so awful? Starting with number one, do you know what it means to have haughty eyes? Do you know what it means to be haughty? Well, according to Webster's Dictionary, to be haughty is to be blatantly and disdainfully proud. Having or showing an attitude of superiority or contempt for people or things perceived to be inferior. You see, there is a reason that this one is first on the list, right? Because you cannot love another person when you feel contempt for them. Or when you feel superior to them. It is easy for me to look out into the world, to watch the news or see social media and to notice all of the people out there who have haughty eyes. 
I can see the politicians who appear to look down on others who seem to think that they are better than. I can see celebrities who act like they deserve to be treated better simply because of who they are. I remember Reese Witherspoon. I remember being shocked by it because it seemed so out of character, right? I remember her getting pulled over for drunk driving, and the officer's body cam caught her yelling at him, Do you know who I am? To be fair, when she sobered up, she was humiliated by that behavior. But it captures an idea that we see in the world. It is easy to spot the haughty eyes in the room. But we have to be careful. Because as we are looking around to spot the haughty, the prideful, and the superior, we might catch a glimpse of ourselves in the mirror, looking down on the haughty with contempt. You see, we cannot love our neighbor if we think that we are better than them. And God hates it when we think that we are better than anyone else. Why? Because we're not better than anyone else. No matter what, we are no better than any other person who walks this earth. Once we realize that, we can finally get down to the business of truly loving our neighbor. So the first abomination on the list has to do with how we think about other people. And that's important, because how we think influences how we act. And the other six abominations have to do with how we act towards other people. These are things that keep us from loving our neighbor as ourselves. So what's the next thing on the list? A tongue that lies. And then after that comes hands that murder the innocent. Both of these made God's top ten list, right? Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not commit murder. Murder destroys life. Lies destroy trust, which then destroys relationships, which then leads to the breakdown of society. And destructive actions are the opposite of love. The next one is a heart that devises wicked plans. This conjures up the images of all the greatest villains sitting in their lairs plotting evil against the people of, say, Metropolis. Can't you see Lex Luthor with the blueprints of the city's power plant laid out on his giant table of doom? And he cackles with glee as he plans to take over everything. But that's too simple, don't you think? There is no doubt that God hates the actions of a criminal mastermind, who doesn't? So what does this have to do with me? I'm not plotting wickedness. I have no cauldron to brew evil concoctions in, and I don't want to conquer the world. Not really. But what about all of those times that I have walked through stores and thought, I could steal that. It'd be easy. No one's looking. Or the times when I laid awake at night thinking up ways that I could hurt someone who had so badly hurt me. Isn't that planning wickedness too? The fact is God hates it when I do these things. But why? It's not like I ever acted on any of it. 
Well, maybe I never actually followed through with my brilliant plan to steal all of the items in the sidewalk display at Hobby Lobby. And I never actually punched the girl with the locker above mine who kept accidentally dropping her books on my head every day before first period. But I did actually end up stealing some one thing when I was a kid, and that hurt the people who owned the store. And I thought, oh, and though I may not have actually done anything directly to the girl in high school, I certainly felt content for her after spending hours of my time contemplating the terrible things that I would say and do to her, I certainly did not love her as myself. And I'm sure that I said terrible things about her behind her back to my friends. The next one on the list is feet that hurry to run to evil. This one reminds me of any four or five year old child who cannot stop getting into trouble no matter how many times they've been disciplined. How many of you have ever wanted to tie the hands of a four-year-old down to their waist so that they couldn't damage things? Kind of like Dennis the Menace, right? There's an entire comic strip designed around this child. I mean, these little boys and girls could be sitting in timeout, and as soon as their mother turns her back, they have managed to peel all of the wallpaper off the walls for as far as their hands can reach from their timeout seat. They simply can't seem to help themselves. Trouble just finds them. If they weren't so cute, they'd probably be dead, right? But what if that child grows up and doesn't grow out of that behavior? Because some don't. It's not endearingly frustrating anymore. It is dangerous for society because the number of people who end up getting hurt can't be counted. After all, evil has a ripple effect. It travels around the world sometimes. So we round off the list with a mouth that lies under oath and causing strife in the family. Lies, drama, starting fights, perjury, creating discord, hurting people in your family. The people that nature says we're supposed to love the most. God wants us, the created, to live lives of peace and joy with God. And the things that God hates almost as much as idol worship is cruelty, hatefulness, disrespect, and contempt for our fellow human being. You know why? Because God loves that person as much as God loves you. And God hates it when our sinfulness interferes with another person's ability to live a life of peace and joy with God. God hates it when our sinfulness interferes with our ability to live a life of peace and joy with God. So I want to emphasize again that never in this text does, God, does it say that God hates a liar or a murderer or a troublemaker. Again, God does not hate the person. But God does hate the sinful behavior because sin is turning your back on, your, on God and your neighbor. And according to Proverbs 6, it seems the sinful behavior that God hates the most is behavior that causes harm to another person. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, when the Bible talks about abominations, it is not about hate or judgment or pointing fingers at our sinful neighbors. No, the biblical conversation about abomination is shockingly all about love. Not the twisted love that is expressed in the misguided phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner. I'm talking about the love that God has for us and the love that God yearns for in return. Instead of hating another person, instead of looking down on another person for any reason, try to see them as God does. When we see other people the way that God sees them, it makes it difficult to lie to them, to harm them, to plan wicked things against them, or to do any of the things the scripture warns against. When we no longer feel contempt for anyone, even or especially our enemies, then we can no longer justify war. We can no longer justify greed. We can no longer justify starvation. We can no longer justify injustice. When we truly understand deep in the marrow of our bones that God loves every single person, no matter their hatefulness, their ideology, or their worldview, we will want the best for them, even if they don't want the best for us. When God warns us about avoiding abominable behavior, God is guiding us to everlasting love and life. The commandments for an abomination-free life are simple. Love God with everything you have and love everyone else as well. Because the only thing that God really hates is when we don't do those two very basic things. Amen? Amen. And here ends the abomination series. Thank God I'm tired of the word. So that was it. That's the end. Uh, this is, I have to say, one of the things that is happening since I've started recording my sermons, especially for the purpose of, um, uh, you know, publishing them for the public, is that I have become hyper aware of weird sounds and mistakes that I make in my sermons, where before I didn't really care. I knew the people that were <laughs> in the sanctuary knew me and loved me, and they were like, ah, let's just Laura. But now I notice, oh my gosh, I can't believe how often I mess up. I think, oh my goodness, look at how, I listen to how many times I sniff my nose. Oh my goodness, look at that. Or I think about, you know, when there's distractions going on in the sanctuary, and it's going to show up on the podcast. And anyway, I hope you bear with me, because I'm still getting used to the fact that I know people are listening to me now. Now when I'm preaching, which is kind of a big deal, you know, a lot of serve. I think a lot of preachers may assume that people are sleeping through their sermons and they can pretty much say whatever they want. So anyway, um, that's just a little haha. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you can overlook all of my little faux pas and um, just uh, hear the message behind the mistakes. Uh, have a wonderful, wonderful blessed day. Bye. <laughs>